0: Welcome back to the WWIA podcast. We hope you're enjoying the special podcast series on the John McDaniel story. If you are, please do us a favor and leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or your preferred podcast service. Let's learn more about John's military service as we dive into part five, Alaska, with the 501st Long Range Surveillance Detachment and Space Com.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A little uh, Green Day in the background there. So as we continue here um, on my uh, story, I think I left uh, left off last at the uh, the Rangers. By the way, uh, General Four Star Townsend played this at his retirement ceremony. I know because I, I, I attended it, and I just uh, to a slideshow. I just thought, yeah, that's a great tune. So, there it is. Anyway, so um, you know, what I want to uh, you know, what I want to talk about uh, here in this segment, you know, I, I want to probably lump a few things together, you know. So we la- last left off, I you know, got promoted to captain out of the Rangers. Uh Captain Townsend then, you know, n- now four uh, four-star retired Steve Townsend um promoted me to captain. And so, you know, you can't have two captains in a Ranger Uh, company. Uh, So, um, you know, uh, you got to move on. And uh, before you can go command uh, someplace, which is the goal of every good infantry officer who is a captain, is to go command somewhere, Uh, you've got to go through the infantry officer advanced course, um, which is another year-long school that teaches you, basically, you know, prepares you um, to command. And uh, so i wasn't really ready to go to school uh back to school and you know i had some time you're you're back then you were a captain for like seven years it's the longest you know rank you know you wear that rank longer than any other rank and so i i knew i had some time and the rangers uh, the regiment offered me a couple of staff jobs um and and i wasn't too excited about being the woodpecker hunter or the building four or whatever they called it uh liaison officer so i uh, went down the road where the ranger training uh, brigade uh, battalion the fourth ranger training battalion is uh same right right there at fort benning just down the road a little bit um and and uh, i thought you know maybe i'll i'll uh see if i can uh you know if i could be a ranger instructor and somebody told me that there was a guy by the name of Clyde Newman that was taking command who had been recently frocked from you know his promotable major status to Lieutenant colonel and was going to take over the fourth RTB. And somebody said, yeah this is, this is a guy that's got two scrambled eggs on his master wings, which means he you know jumped into Grenada and jumped into Panama and uh, you know was uh, you know quite a notorious uh, officer. And um, so I sauntered on over to the RTB. Found Colonel Newman and uh, introduced myself and told him I was looking for a job and, and he goes, you're coming out of the third Ranger Battalion. And he goes, yeah, you, you get a job here, Ranger. And that, that was it, you know. And so I uh, got a set of orders and they assigned me. They assigned me to, uh, you know, to Echo Company, the the Light Infantry Leaders Course. Uh, there and uh, it wasn't exactly what I wanted, but I needed some XO time, executive officer time. And so that, that provided the perfect opportunity. And uh, so I became an XO. Uh, at the uh, fourth RTB, at the light infantry leaders course and did a lot of stuff, you know um, Just uh, you know got to, to to do some instruction got to do some real XO work uh, Fill in for the commanders when he when he's not around and we just had some amazing I mean, The fourth RTB was just uh, at the time. It was a, an amazing amalgamation of talent and you um, know, I just met some 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 of the some real ranger legends, you know. And the RTBs a kind of a place where guys go to take a break, you know, from from rangering because rangering is hard. And uh, an RTB is is not the same thing as being in the the ranger regiment where you got a you know a real you know eighteen hour sequence mission you know, get on a plane in the middle of the night and and go bye-bye to go, you know, um, do bad things to bad people. Um, That's not what the RTB does. The RTB trains rangers, and and I refer back to my my, uh, earlier podcast about ranger school. So I'm actually now (laughs) leaving 3rd Ranger Battalion and going to the RTB as a captain to be a ranger instructor, um in a place that i barely made it through <laughs> anyway uh so it's all that's all good um you know i get there and and you know i just wrote a list of of the, some of the legends that I met and and got to know there, a guy by the name of Greer. I'll just go the last names, and this won't mean much to anybody, but uh, maybe uh, those that 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 are in the community will will pick up on it. But you know, Greer, Kelso, Art Candarian You know who I met first. He's now on the the foundation's board, the WWI board, um, and a real legend, a Ranger Hall of Famer, Silver Star recipient, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Guy by the name of Purdy, uh, Don Purdy, and then Sam Spears, um, who I you know still think of today as a you know as a mentor, and and, and same thing with Arthur and and you know a few others, but uh, yeah, it's just some amazing people um, you know there at the RTB at that time period of my life, and then about a year into that job as the XO of the of Echo Company, um. Colonel Newman comes up to me and he's like, uh, "You know, Ranger, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna make you my uh, S4." And I was like, uh, "Yes, sir." And I thought to myself, you know, and for those of you that don't know, the S4 is a logistics officer. So I'm like, you know, I I you know I was taught a long time ago, and especially in the Rangers, you know, if you're asked to do a job, you're kind of like not really being asked to do it; you're being told to do it, right? You know, I'd like to make you my S4. Yes, sir. You know, and, and even though that job sucks you know I don't want to be a logistics dude you know I want to be a knuckle dragon meat eating you know steely-eyed killer I don't want to do anything that has anything to do with budgets or logistics but you know hey you know if the boss asks you to do a job here's the life hack right you do it and you do it better than anybody okay you know you know you smile politely and yes sir three bags full that's the deal in the army it ought to be the deal in the civilian world too because everybody knows you don't want to be the logistics officer I mean every ranger in the battalion knows that they don't want that job because it's thankless you know it's like being the commo dude you know you can get that you can get that right 99 times out of 100 but the first time you get it wrong you know you you go from hero to zero in a nanosecond nobody's ever going to tell you hey great job with all that logistic stuff thanks for the parachutes thanks for the chow thanks for this that or the other thing Eh, not happening Okay, just doesn't happen. But you screw it up one time, like, hey, the you know, uh, the 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 buses were supposed to be there, you know, the trucks are supposed to be there to pick us up, but uh, they're not because they weren't planned for. And humma humma, and now you got to walk 12 kilometers back home or 20 kilometers back home. So suck it up, Ranger. I mean, it happens all the time. But if you're the guy that was supposed to plan it and didn't, you know. There's going to be some come to Jesus action happening there. I can promise you, you know, and so it's high pressure, it's not out of what do I know? What did I know at the time about budgets? You know, I didn't know anything. You could have probably stuck it in a thimble, what I knew. but I learned, and I did my best, and I think that's the lesson learned. You know, if your boss ever asked you to do a job, or your dad or your mom or you know whoever that might be, the person in the position of authority. Then you know um, you ought to do that job the best that it's ever been done, and that ought to be your perspective. And and they know you don't want to do it, and you get rewarded. You know, after you do a good job, you get rewarded for that. So anyway, I took that job, and um, you know, I did the best I, I the best I, I could with it. And I told you the story earlier about Clyde Newman coming in and throwing the three inch you know <laughs> uh, medical survey uh, results on on my uh, you know on my desk you know about you know ranger and you know what ranger school does to you you know and it, it, the 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 short version is i think what it said in the you know in this in the actual study was something like you know the Ra- rangers you know ranger students immune system was that of a third degree burn victim by the time he finished ranger school like think about that you know i mean I, i'm sure they've changed things Quite a bit since then, but you know, I mean, it was uh, it was a gut check basically. So, anyway, that that's my story about the RTB. You um, know, I don't have a whole lot to say about that. So we'll move on to, you know, hey, it's time for John to, you know, to to go to, you know, move. I was at Fort Benning for I don't know, it's like three or four years, you know, because the infantry officer basic course or advanced and basic courses are there. So now I'm going to school for another year. And now fast forward the tape. And um, you know, I don't know how many students there were in that class, but probably about half the amount that was in my basic course, I'm guessing. You know, three, four hundred students who'd made it, you know, uh to to the career course, the infantry officer Ad, advanced course, IOAC as we refer referred to it. And um I was stuck I, I got put in a small group. They they hack you up, right? and they and it' was like ten to twelve students per group, and there's maybe ten you know fifteen twenty groups whatever whatever it was um you know that they had in in, in the course there um and they oftentimes they'd throw you in a big blue bedroom they called it you know where all the all the students the entire class was there. And for instruction, and and then you'd break break up and go into your small groups, and all, you know this is really phenomenal instruction. I mean, it really was prepared me, I think, very well to be a, a commander. And my small group leader was a guy by the name of Tom Cleary, you know. And Tom Cleary was an he was a captain, but he was a senior captain. He'd already commanded, and he went to to go be an instructor, you know, at the infantry officer advance course. And uh, you know, I I really I really uh, he was tough uh but but he was he was very serious about his business of, of teaching young captains how to you know preparing them for command and you couldn't you couldn't put anything over on that guy zero and uh you know I, and i liked that and my small group was filled i i had, you know, there was two people who I'm still very close to today. Uh, one of them's on my board. Um, uh, who made it to two stars? Doug Chrisman, uh, um, just an amazing leader. Um, you know, com- commanded at the you know the divisional level. Just an, an amazing, an amazing uh, person. Um, Two-star two general, retired West Point officer. Probably smartest guy I know. Uh, I asked him to be on the board, and he, he uh, graciously said yes. Um, and then Dixon Gunther, who is uh, you know been a lifetime friend since then, Dixon and I have you know hunted and fished all over the planet. We went up to Alaska together, um, and we came back together tandem down in the Alcan. I mean, it's just you know stories upon stories. We were stationed at, at at Planet Fairbanks together, and I'll get back to that here in a second because the next chapter is you know the journey to Alaska, right? And so, but at IOAC when i first got there they'd pulled my file the cadre had pulled my file along with you know i don't know maybe 10 or so other files of the student files of the how many of our the students there were three four hundred i don't know uh but a lot and um and so my file got pulled um because they want to interview me and and the others for leadership positions within the um within ioac and uh, so, you know, there's a board, you know, you, you know, sit down and get interviewed and all this. And, um, you know, I did not really want to be, you know, I don't want to say I didn't want to be in a leadership position, but I was a student. I just wanted to be a student, you know, <laughs> and I don't really want to, you know, and I say, OK, well, here's the positions that are available. You know, one of them is the student commander, and the other is the S3, and then there's you know, a handful of others. And um, but, you know, this three's operations and the commander's the commander you know dude in charge. And they asked me what I wanted to do. And, of course, I said, you know, I'd I'd like to be the commander. You know, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to tag me with a position, just give me the enchilada, man. Give me the bowl. I'll take it. So um, I did the interview. I didn't get the job as a commander, uh, but I did get the job as the S3, which, you know, is the guy that's got to do all the damn work. Right. The operations guy. So I'm standing in front of the class like every morning. All right, everybody, give me your attention. Uh, say again. Give me your attention. <laughs> Just leading your peers, man. I mean, these are knuckle-dragging meat-eating infantry guys who, you know, you get about thirty. You get less than thirty seconds, okay, um, to prove to them why they should be listening to you when your lips start moving. I mean, it's the most skeptical. Uh, crowd the the hardest crowd you've I've ever met uh, just uh you know you you gotta always be on your toes um because it's a you know it is truly a dog eat dog world you know i mean it. it's all it's all fun and games you know everybody's you know friendly and, and great camaraderie and whatnot but you know at the end of the day it's hyper competitive because you get a bunch of triple a personalities you know, these are infantry guys, All you know, all, most all of whom have been to ranger school or in the regiment or something like this, you know, combat veterans, um, because, you know, we had um, desert storms that are shielded happened. So, you know, there was, uh, you know, quite quite a few, uh, you know, um, CIBs, combat infantrymen's badging, combat experience, a lot of right shoulder patches, you know, this kind of thing. So, you yeah, know, it's a great crowd, great dudes, you know, and uh, I remember... Looking around, thinking, you know, they, I think uh, one of the, one of the one of the officers, as Cad remembers, stood up and, you know, at one point, you know, at the beginning of the course, and said something like, you know, just to put this all in perspective, you, know, you guys can look around and go, you know, say so there's you know, 400 of you here, statistically, you know, three of you are going to be general officers, you know, and then people start looking around. and I'm thinking, I wonder who the other two are. <laughs> No really. Uh but uh, we uh, we all kind of knew who they were. And i would mean, sure true, true to fact, you know, and one of them, one of them Eric Corella. Eric uh, as a four-star general over here, you know, within a stone's throw of where I am right now, commanding Central Command, CENTCOM. And, you know, Eric's a West Point officer, just, uh, you know, one of, the amazing, one of the most amazing officers this country's ever produced. You know, he's just that good. And, um, you know, we, I say, the general population all kind of knew who those cats were. You know, I mean, they just always had the right answer. They always beat everybody at everything. And, um, you know, it's just like, wow, that's a... You know, that's a heck of a crowd right there. So anyway, um, you know, I did that job as S3. It was kind of thankless, uh, but there was some benefits to that. One of, one of, one of the benefits was the fact that, um, you know, I got, uh, I got a chance to kind of see what the assignments were uh, coming out of the advanced course, where, where guys were going or how many slots the Army had, for example. And, um, and I just, all I really wanted to do is go to Alaska. And I was in the switch, my, my selector switch to, you know, adventure mode. You know, not, I hate to say it, and I don't even care how it sounds, but I really wasn't, you know, all that interested in saying, or, you know, hey, where can I go to the best place that's going to advance my career? That was not the Johnny Mac solution. You know, it just never was. And I'm not ashamed to admit it, you know. I mean, there were guys out there that, you know, were, were chasing the ghost the whole time, You know, and and there's not all assignments are created equal, I can tell you that. But I wanted to go to Alaska for the adventure, you know, for hunting and fishing. And I knew I was going to command up there. Um, That's why they were sending me up there. And there was an airborne uh, battalion, first of the 501st Airborne uh, at Richardson. And that's where I wanted to go. And, um, you know, lo and behold, um, you know, when the orders got cut, you know, my orders said that I would uh, be reporting to the... The fifth I think it was like the sixth it was the sixth infantry up there. Star David, that was the patch, you know, it looked like the Star of David and you had to wear that on your on your left shoulder. And um so my order said that I would report to the sixth AG replacement detachment at Fort Wainwright, And I'm like, nah I thought when I got the orders I was like, No I wanted to be directly assigned to the first of the 501st Airborne, a guy by the name of Frank Kearney, who later became three-star general. I knew from the Rangers. He was uh, in 3rd Battalion. He was my S3 and XO in 3rd range Battalion. I knew, I knew uh, then uh, made uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Kearney uh, very well. And I wanted to go work for him the first, of the 501st. You know, there's 350 miles between Fairbanks and Anchorage. You know, there's two major bases up there. One is at Wainwright in Fairbanks, and the other is, you know, down there uh, at, uh, you know, Elmendorf, which is in, in Anchorage, 350 miles apart, all in Alaska. And then there's Fort Greeley. We don't want to talk about that. But yeah, it's, it's you know, it's a huge, huge state. Anyway, um, so I was like, I don't want to go to Fairbanks. Man, I'm being the division staff, like me, I'm the division staff. So um, I was offered the opportunity in route to Alaska to go to the Field Artillery advance Course at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Okay, and um, that the the idea there was to they were going to send a handful of infantry guys, like me, to this uh, to this course, this artillery course, to help. Uh, you know, train the artillerymen who were in their advanced course on you know the ground tactical perspective. Hey, you know, you're providing fire support to this objective and this operation. Let me give you the infantryman's twist on this because I'm the guy you're supporting, sort of thing. So it was six months long, I think. I well, know it wasn't, yeah, I think it was six months, about half a year there at a lot in Oklahoma, of all things. Great, great place to get a stake, I mean, but that's about it. But anyway, so I did that. And by doing that, and I didn't call Alaska and ask for permission. I just did it. And um, by the time I got up there, and I'd been politicking, you know, a little bit, uh, getting a hold of Frank Kearney and a few others saying, hey, I really want to come down there and command, you know, can you pull some strings for me and get my orders changed? Well, at the end of the day, I pissed off pretty much everybody in Fairbanks at the division staff because they needed another body up there, i.e. me, a uh, staff officer that they could torture, you know. <laughs> just It's just that uh, being on a division staff is just like, you know, it's, it's like making sausage, man. I mean... You know, Dixon used to say, Dixon and I used to say it was like juggling chainsaws and, hand, you know, hand grenades. You know, it's just a matter of time before you lo- lost an arm or a leg or, you know, just brutal. And uh, so by delaying that action, I pissed off a lot of people who outranked me. And um, so when I arrived, I, I, I arrived, uh, I think, at a position of disadvantage um, just being honest about it. And, um, I'm not going to mention any names or, you know, the things that happened, but, um, needless to say, um, it was an interesting assignment. You know, I did that for about a year and then actually got my, uh, inner theater transfer orders. I did get my orders changed and the, and it took an act of Congress, literally, to PCS somebody permanent change of station uh, within within a uh, within the same year takes an act of Congress. Congress has got to approve that because permanent changes of station are pretty expensive, and they move your lock, stock, and barrel from point A to point B. And uh, you know, moving uh, from Fairbanks down to Anchorage, so I could take Charlie Company first of the 501st Airborne and command it, uh, you know, costs the government a lot of, of money. And uh, it wasn't really forecasted in their budget because moving is expensive. And so um, it took an act of Congress. I had my orders changed, and I showed up uh, about a year later down at the first of the 501st Airborne. They gave me Charlie Company, uh, the Comanches, and I commanded, uh, um, you know, 125 uh, Airborne paratroopers, Arctic paratroopers. Okay. And that was quite an experience, you know, being an Arctic-light warrior uh, who's also Airborne. Um, You know, um, Alaska is an amazing place. Uh, We we did parachute operations all over the state, uh, all over the Pacific Rim, you know, uh, did lots of operations in Thailand, uh, Guam, Tinian, um, all kinds of things. It was just an amazing experience, plus the outdoors and the adventure. I mean, it was really a highlight of my career, and um, even though I may have made some people upset, it certainly was something that um I genuinely enjoyed and um and so you know I commanded that and and did uh, well um and uh and and you know Colonel Kearney was there uh you know for a short period of time then he moved on to go do other things left Alaska and uh, got a new battalion commander and and then uh you know at some point uh towards the end of my uh f- that command I was uh, I was told that the uh, that they wanted me to be the division LRSD commander, long range surveillance detachment. So I was getting uh, offered a second command. There's just like the same thing as as the scout platoon leader. This is the long range surveillance. LRSd detachment commander. These are the best soldiers that we could uh, muster, who were all specially trained. Most of whom had come from the Ranger Regiment, um, and were uh, now uh, LRSd soldiers. And and I got the privilege, I had the privilege of commanding them for a year. And um, I'll just tell you, you know, Kyle just wrote, scribbled down some notes about about that. And this this'll this'll, uh, this'll tie back into Panama, which was a surprise to me. Um, I'm at, um, I, I got in a little bit of, you know, I got in a little bit of trouble because I, I did, uh, I, I had a tendency to do things that, that, uh, I, I, I guess I want to say, I didn't say, I'm not going to say that I knew it was the wrong thing to do, but, um uh, cause that's not really true. But, you know, like, uh, I, I had, uh, I had raised a few eyebrows and <laughs> put that way on occasion. And, I, and one of those examples was, you know, we were told not to fly helicopters, you know, over the uh, housing area, you know, the cantonment area where all the families lived. Um, you know, just avoid that airspace. And uh, one Saturday, uh, my guys were training and getting, my Lurch guys were being inserted into a, a, a field exercise that we were doing. And a couple of the routes went over the, the, the insertion routes for the helicopters, the UH-60s we were flying in went over the contourment area. I had all my guys planned their stuff and I just approved it, you know, and I saw the routes uh, that went over the contourment area and I should have just had, yeah, I should have had them change it, but I didn't. Um, and I thought to myself, well, you know, I think the division commander should know that Lurs, you know, Lurs guys are out training, you know, here it is like 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday night. <laughs> and the helicopters flew over the contourment area and, um, you know, the next day, i was uh told by my uh the battalion uh their brigade commander that i uh, needed to re- report to quarters one and, and see general newcomb Needham. i said oh yeah sir he goes yeah you know he's going to church you know i guess it was sunday because i remember you know he's you know after church he'll be home you, you need to you know whatever time it was you know 1300 you need to report to him at his house quarters one so i did and I got a good butt chewing, you know, from the general. He said, "You know, John, you, you know, we're not supposed to be flying over the contaminated area. What, you know, why'd you do it?" I said, "Well, sure. I just, I guess, I wanted you to know we were out there, uh, you know, defending God and country, or you know, whatever." I said, you know, and he, he was an old uh, Vietnam veteran, two-star general, and um, you know, his nickname was Newcomb Needham. But I don't know. The guy took a shine to me in, uh, a little bit, so I didn't get a too bad of a butt chewing. But there's an example of a, you know, of a move that I, that I did that. Wasn't probably the most popular move in the world, but I did it anyway. So General Needham, here's a good story. General Needham has a Christmas party. And and, and all the officers are supposed to file through his quarters one, you know, his home on Christmas on a schedule and meet the general, eat some of his food, you know, drink a little bit of punch or something and move out smartly. And so we do that um, in, in his house the other officers in the battalion and some of the brigade staff sort of sort of thing. And, uh, new, new, and general Needham looks at me and he goes, yeah, it's this new York. I won't even try to do the New York accent, but he had a pretty thick New York accent as I remember. And oh, by the way, when I walked in the door in his house and I, I shook his hand, he looked at me and knew, he knew me exactly who I was. He knew exactly who I was. He punched me, <laughs> punched me in the bread basket. Now I, I, you've heard that saying before, right? Like, Bread basket. And, um, you know, it's it, it's, a, it's a small spot right below your sternum. Okay. It's not in your gut, not down where your abs are, you know, but right underneath your sternum. There's a like a fist sized space. You get punched there. That's the bread basket. You'll never forget it. Okay. And, and Needham knew where that was and he punched me <laughs> to start general. You know, it wasn't a, you know, it was just kind of a boom jab you know real quick and he got me and I tried to pretend like it didn't hurt and I did I think I did a pretty good job but I mean it brought it brought tears to my eyes it hurt so bad and and I guess his way of saying you know I got your number there captain sort of thing (laughs) I just thought that was the army back then and I loved it and so anyway we're having you know we're eating crumpets and and whatnot and drinking punch and he's, he's like yeah so you were in Panama and I said yes sir he goes, tell me this. You know tell, you know, tell me about your experience. And I told him the story about Fort Om- or um, Fort Clayton, and you know, shooting out the lights and getting in a firefight. And I told him a bridge version of that because, you know, I thought he might have. You know, that would be something he might appreciate. And, and uh, he goes, you, you know, he goes, you know, why you were doing that, don't you? And I and I thought to myself, well, you know, the obvious answer is to you know, defend Fort Clayton against the Dignity Battalion, you know, sir. And and, uh, and he goes, nah, he goes, yeah, 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 but behind you, okay, In Colonels Rowan, one of those homes back there, was Ford and Andara, you know, who were the vice president and vice president who were elected to be the official president and vice president of Panama, but Noriega, you know, um, made that null and void and, and, and you know, took over You know, uh, you know, kept reins on the on the on the on the country and, and, you know, and botched the election uh, and and invalidated and and instilled himself, you know, in as the as the president and the CIA had Ford and Dara in one of those homes back there, um, you know, safeguarding them. Um, until the invasion was over, until we had Noriega, and then they were, inst- you know, in- instituted as president and vice president of of the country of Panama, and um, and I was like, no shit. And he's like, yeah, that's what happened. And I was like, wow. You know, I thought to myself later, why the hell didn't they just tell me that? You know, I mean, task and purpose. Defend this because, you know, behind you in one of those homes back there are some really important people. You know, I mean, that's all you had to tell me. Anyway, so it's funny how things turn, you know, turn uh, around and what you learn as you go through your your journey there. But um, anyway, so that's my, that's my uh, you know, my my general Needham story in my 501st uh, LRSD experience. It was great. You know, genuinely, genuinely loved it. Had a great time. You know, and Dixon and I uh, used to joke, you know, about... You know, hey, if if you're going to be assigned to Alaska, okay, don't don't assign anybody there who doesn't like to hunt and fish, because like it seems like every moose season, every Dull Sheep season, every salmon season, you know, we're flying off some place doing some big, you know, exercise or mission that somebody's planned. You know, like, hey man, this is right in the middle of moose season. Why would you think we came up here? <laughs> anyway, uh so that's that's my that's my Alaska story. And um so let me let me finish it uh by saying the segue into the next bit, which is um, you know, it's time for me to go, you know. Um I get a call from branch, uh, infantry branch I'm like halfway through my second command and and the long range surveillance detachment and its infantry branch ding dong in me saying, Hey, you know, it's time for you to PCS out of Alaska. You know, you've got to, uh, we got to get you in a new, a new assignment. And I said, yeah, but I'm in the middle of my second command. And and the guy's like, yeah, but we didn't authorize that. And I'm like, what'd you think I was going to do? Call you up and say, Hey, they're giving me, they want to give me the long range surveillance detachment is it okay? Did you think I was going to do that? <laughs> you know, I mean, who says no to that? You know, I mean, I'm not going to ask for permission. You know, two star general asked me to be, you know, the the, the worst D commander. Of course I'm going to do that job, you know? What were you thinking? <laughs> so, anyway, I'm like, oh, yeah, you got about six more months out of this command and I'll, I'll move when you want me to after that. What do you got available? And so I got about a six month period to kind of negotiate. And so they put me up for this nominative assignment, right? They proposed a couple of things. One of of them was um, to go to Colorado Springs, Colorado, and go to the Army Space Command. And when he mentioned that, I go, the Army has a space command? You know, and the time frame here is like, we're talking 1996-7 time frame, okay? And it's a three-year assignment, and I go, wow. And I, But while, while that sounds kind of cool, one but two it's in colorado springs that means elk hunting and trout fishing and so you can see the pattern here okay so it's it's no should be no real big surprise you know um you know why you know i started a you know a a national charity that takes wounded veterans hunting and fishing because i really like it you know i really like doing it and so i figure if i'm going to play army you know I i can just go pick I'll pick all the cool places, you know, that you can hunt and fish and explore, and you know, in my free time. That's what I'll do. So that's pretty much exactly what I did. You follow a bouncing ball, you'll see it. Um, so there, there you go. And um, <clears throat> so I, um, I, 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 I go. Give me the name. I say, I say, who, who's in the job now? What's his name? Give me his name and number. I want to call him up. And I go, this guy by the name of Wayman Stalkup. I say, okay, give me his number. So I call him up. I'm in Alaska, you know, halfway through my second command, and I call up Wayman Stalkup, who's sitting in the job, Colorado Springs Army Space Command. I said, you know, hey, Wayman, you know, we get to know each other. He's an infantry guy. I didn't know him previous to that. But uh, I said, how's the job? He goes, yes, it's a pretty good job. You know, real cool cat. Yeah, it's a pretty good job. I go, who's your boss? He goes, "Uh, a guy by the name of um, Rick Schantz. I go Rick Shantz. I said I know Rick Shantz from the Rangers. He was in Third Ranger Battalion when I was. I said he, you know he's older than me. And he's he, he was a major. Um, and He was a captain when I was a lieutenant. He's now a major and I'm a captain. So I said let me talk. Let me talk to him. So he, he puts Shantz on the phone. And I'm like hey sir how you doing? And it's John McDaniel. He's like hey John you know blah blah. I say you think I should take this job? He goes oh yeah you need to take this job. So okay. Roger that. I call branch back. I say I'll take it. So I get orders to Colorado Springs to go to the Army Space Command. Now you probably have heard here recently that the the, the, the Space Command is now it's its own force. Okay, you have the Army, the Navy, the Marine Corps, um, the Air Force, the Coast Guard, and now the sixth branch, if you will, is Space Force. And and I got basically and in the ground floor of, of space operations and um it was an amazing assignment and i'll tell you a quick sean story he comes in um he comes into my my cubicle it wasn't an office we had cubicles and um i was a theater planner yada yada it doesn't matter they have top secret clearance do all this you know spooky stuff right with you know highly classified uh systems and whatnot I'll, I'll get a little into that, but not much uh it would bore you to tears, i'm sure but anyway um so <clears throat> Sean comes into my cubicle and he's got this two dimensional you know eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper that's. Probably the most complicated diagram, and by the way, Shantz uh is like genius, okay he really is I mean one' of the smartest guys I've ever met, and um and, and, uh, there's a few of them out there in, in, in the army that you would surprise you anyway. So, so Sean's gives me this piece of paper and, and what it is, is it's multi-chromatic. It's eight and a half by 11. And it just is the busiest, most complex chart I've ever seen in my life. So I take one look at it. My, you know, my eyes peel back a little bit, like what, what, where's this going? He's like, <clears throat> you need to memorize this. I go, <laughs> you serious, sir. He's like, yeah you need to memorize I, I uh, well, what is it? He goes, that's the electromagnetic spectrum and you need to know it and memorize it. I said, yes, sir. And I took it home and I spent like a week. Okay. And I memorized the electromagnetic spectrum. And I came back and I said, I got it, sir. Cause I could draw it, you know, boom, here it is. I mean, everything from, you know, voice, what you can hear, like what I'm saying to light, that's the electromagnetic spectrum, you know, UHF, VHS, SHF, everything, and it's all hyper-compartmentalized in various different bands, which allow us to, you know, communicate and do other things, you know, in that space, right? And so the idea was for me to, to know this because it had to do with part of my job, and then later on, they... Um, <clears throat> asked me, Chance was the special technical operations, the stow chief for Army Space Command, and when he got orders to move out, he looked at me and said, um, we're going to have you take my job. You're going to be the stow chief for Army Space Command. I was like, uh, who is Sir?" again? There you go. I mean, I, what, what, what am I going to say? You know, so I, uh, besides, yes, sir, <laughs> you know, I'll do it. Uh, sign me up, Mikey likes it. And and so I became the Special Technical Operations Chief, the Sto Chief for um the Army uh Space Command. And you know, at the end of the day, I'm not we're going to talk about that's that that because it 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 not add a whole lot of value to the to the uh, podcast here uh the content, but what I will say is that um I I I was deployed um in support of national defense objectives okay with uh you know some pretty cool uh stuff uh and some pretty cool dudes uh to a, a black site uh in support of a real world mission set uh to do some really cool stuff to deny degrade disrupt whatever kind of words you want to use um, bad guys from from doing bad things uh, with really cool uh, space operations assets, okay so um, I, I was I couldn't believe, you know I mean just, I'd love to go into it but, you know uh, I, maybe the statute of limitations is up but I, I, I just uh, I don't think it's a good idea to, to, to talk about that so I'm not gonna but um, I will tell you that I thought it was just the coolest thing in the world and It was just right out of a James Bond book, man, but super cool. So that was my time at Army Space Command, and then that takes you up to, like, 1999. And then I get orders to go to Fort Leavenworth, the Command and General Staff College, which at the time was a 50% cut. So I'm going to a staff college at Fort Leavenworth uh, for a year to uh, be a student at the Command and General Staff College. So I'm going to take a break right here. And uh, the next chapter, we're going to talk about uh, at, at C, uh, is, is CGSC a year of schooling, um, and that'll be a real quick one. And then we'll we'll dovetail into uh, to uh, the nation's capital and nine one one stuff. Okay.
0: To learn more about the mission of the Wounded Warriors in Action Foundation and how you can get involved. Please visit our website at www.iaf.org or follow our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you for listening to the WWIA podcast and for helping us honor, connect, and heal our combat-wounded Purple Heart heroes through the power of the great outdoors.
1: If you like what you're listening to here and would like to join our team in our mission to bring healing power and recovery to America's Purple Heart heroes, please become part of our Sponsor a Hero team by clicking on the link in the podcast notes or by going to www.iaf.org forward slash sponsor. That's www.iaf.org forward slash sponsor. Our heroes need you now more than ever. Thank you.